Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our guest host again, uh, Anita Agarwal, and we thought we'd have an interesting conversation on creative ways to find work. So uh, we all know the traditional process of applying online and, and, and going through the interview process. And then the well preferred way is to, to network and uh, find a, a connection and, and get into uh, the workspace that way. But there are even more creative ways to uh, get a job. So we thought we'd recount some stories and instances in terms of how other people were uh, kind of outside of kind of those normal realms in order to land something. So uh, yeah, Anita, I'd be curious to see and, and here are some of uh, maybe stories from your students or, or others that uh, have secured jobs in, in other than the traditional method. So, so what's, what sort of creative ways have you found uh, to work? All right. So thank you uh, again for having me on here, Luki. I really appreciate it. So um, I would say that I have six ideas that you could implement. Cool. Um, the first of which, and I'd love for you to like chime in, Luki, and tell me a story that might relate to you as well. So the first one that I would say is, go directly to the businesses that you want to get a job in. Like very few people tend to do this. I'll tell you a quick story about what happened with me. I had um, the building that I used to like um, have my business in. It had about maybe a hundred other jewelers in. So it was all B2B wholesale jewelers. And so this is kind of the diamond district of Toronto. And, um, what happened was this recent George Brown jewelry graduate, uh, basically she printed out 200 copies of her resume and she just went knocking on everyone's door. She had a little bit of an idea of which companies to go to. And she knew a little bit about the companies that she visited, but she just went door to door with her resume and she was dressed professionally and she knocked on our door and immediately I said to her, no, sorry, I have no work for you. Have a nice day. Goodbye. But what happened was I was doing this task that I really hated. And I looked down at the task and I was like, wait a second, I don't need to actually do this task. Let me call this girl back and like, say, look, you know what, if you can get me a reference from so-and-so professor at George Brown, who I know, um, I will hire you for two months on a trial basis. Okay. And she's like, okay, I don't really want two months, but you know what, right now I'll, I'll take it. Right. Okay. So she was able to get me the reference. And the interesting thing was she ended up working with me for two full years. Okay. So this was not even a job that I had. It was not a job that was anywhere. Like it was not even in my mind, but the fact that um, she just happened to be there, it worked out perfectly. And I've heard countless other examples of this. Um, for example, if you look at any industry, there's usually a neighborhood that is dedicated to that industry, whether it's the fashion district in Toronto, whether it's the jewelry industry, whether it's food canning. I noticed in Scarborough, I had a lot of students at Centennial who were like, oh, I want to work in food manufacturing and food production. But there's like a whole strip of these little tiny canning facilities that exist in Scarborough. Like if you just drive by, you're like, oh, there's like, I just saw six of them. There must yeah. be more. So 
if you actually think about the areas, um, the industry that you want to work in, find the district or neighborhood where most of those businesses are populated and just go in with your resume, dress up nicely, go in and you would be surprised. I mean, yeah. I think that's an amazing example. And, and the one that I have, which, which is similar, but a little bit different because it's, it's more for someone looking to get into the, the freelance side and, and, but going directly to the, to, to the business, right? Uh, they were interested in marketing because it seems to be in, easier for that. Well, actually not really marketing, more, more graphic design and composition. Basically what they did is they went into uh, uh, like Google Maps and basically found restaurants that, that were around and went through and, and took a look at like the menus and, and things like that, right? And basically uh, took, took an afternoon, took a weekend to, to say, okay, you know what? There's some nice pictures in here and, and they grabbed them and then created a menu for them, right? Because they looked at their online menu and it was this kind of drab, kind of very plain and whatever and, and had it uh, kind of mocked up and they didn't uh, spend anything. They didn't even print it out. And then they went kind of door to door to the, to the restaurant and say, oh, wait, I did this for you. What do you think? And, and they had two or three different designs. And a lot of them said, Nah, not interested, but a couple of them, wow, those are fantastic. And, and how much would it cost? And then they went through the process, got a sale right right then and there. So it's a little bit of work on, on spec, but it's also kind of knowing the, the business, putting in some of that upfront effort and putting yourself out there even in the first place. And, and I think that uh, effort goes a, a long way. And it's never going to be 100% because I think from, from your experience, they had 200 resumes and, and kind of one hit. But that hit uh, allowed them to work for two years. So that's not a bad uh, set of odds oh. as well. I, I think she actually had multiple hits. Yeah, but, okay, all right. Yeah, but she liked the fact that it was my business, and she liked me, and so it worked out. But okay. she did have, uh, she did meet with a, quite a few people, awesome. so that was exciting. Yeah, um, this what you just said actually leads me to my second point: okay. is create your own opportunity. Sure. And um, with your example, this woman created uh, or this person created uh, menus, right? But there's a really good example about a 25 year old woman who actually was like being really unsuccessful in getting a job at Airbnb. And that was like her dream job. She's like, I want to work at Airbnb. Mm -hmm. But what she did was she got no luck. And so what she did was she actually looked at Airbnb globally and she realized she was Middle Eastern who was a um, person who was living in uh, San Francisco. And so what, what she realized was there was no Airbnb at that time in the Middle East. Okay. So she created this amazing marketing strategy for Airbnb um, to, you know, develop in the Middle East. And then she tweeted that marketing strategy directly to the CEO hmm. and she actually got hired. So that's the thing is like, create your own opportunity. I know that's a little bit of work, but guess what? You're probably spending countless hours anyways, you know, into the ether. And at least this way you have something for your own portfolio. You have something impressive and you've learned something along the way. So, and I, I say this to students all the time, like students who are in marketing or students who are in digital marketing, like look at businesses that you really love. Do they have an online social media presence, like something in your neighborhood? Usually small mom and pop stores don't. But if you just want a reference, you could say to them, look, you know what? I notice I really love your food. I notice that you don't have any social media presence sure. for a month. I will do all your social media for you. You right. don't have to spend a ton of time. 
And I don't expect you to be used. Like what I'm saying is I don't want you to be used for free labor, Mm -hmm. but if it means like saying, you know, for two weeks, I'll do this for you or for a month, I'll do this for you. And you're just volunteering on a small time basis. You've earned yourself a reference at the very least. You might not end up with a job, but you will get a reference and you will build a portfolio towards that job or career. Right. Yeah. And, and what that reminds me of uh, is taking the time to actually hone your craft, right? Because you go to school and you do some assignments and some projects and you kind of know how to do it, but you don't really know how to do it, right? You've never actually done it in the real world. Um, so the, the example that comes to mind, which is similar to that is, uh, again, I guess it's another marketing example because I think it <laughs> tends to be easier for them. But uh, someone was really loved kind of um, one of those kind of craft food and, and, and whole food type type things. And uh, she was applying for jobs. She was networking. She was trying to uh, get in front of them to, to, to do their marketing. Pretty much exactly what, what you had said. Uh, a lot of no's, lots of rejections and, and all that sort of stuff. She said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> right? So she actually created her own hashtag, which like with, with something um, and the name of the company, but put her name on it so that they know it came from her. And then it, it had uh, one follower and then it had two. And then had 17 and then had 25 and then had 105. And then she basically said, so I'm doing this and I have like uh, 104 followers and I did this in the past like two weeks or something like that. What do you think? <laughs> right? And then it kind of wow. turned into, wow, an opportunity as well. So I think that was definitely a, an extension of that where sometimes even if you get the, the, the no's, sometimes you can still continue on. And, and at the very least, you're honing your craft, you're doing something. So that marketing strategy she created uh, she got some uh, guidance, right? She said, wow, this is good. They, they appreciate it. But even if you don't, then you, hopefully you get some good feedback to say, okay, this is what I do differently. This is what I would change. This is why I didn't take it so that you can learn and do it again for the next time. So I think that, that's another great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that I would say is, and I think this is an extension of my last point, but maybe a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the industry that you're wanting to get into mm-hmm. um, and look at all the players that you can find, like whether they're the big players or whether they're the medium players or the small players, whoever right. they are, look at them and do an assessment to see what's missing. You right. might have previous experience. This is great for somebody who might be transitioning careers. So you might have previous experience in something like a, a niche area and now you're transitioning to another area. Is there something that you learned in your previous job that you could actually apply to an industry that's totally different? Mm -hmm. So for example, like, um, I had a friend who is a diversity uh, consultant, right? But she's like also a disability diversity consultant. Mm -hmm. And there were changes to the regulations in uh, what was required for coaching and training for Ontario's small businesses. And so what she decided to do was she came up with this training plan to talk specifically about the changes to the disability code that could help um, a certain industry. And I think in this case, it was the restaurant industry. So she looked at that as a niche. She looked at like all the things that are missing in restaurants that could be served by understanding the new disability policies. And she brought that to the table. Likewise, so this is a little bit more work. But if you do want to be a freelancer, or you want to run your own business, or even if you want to get a job in a certain industry, if you do that groundwork before and look at what's missing, you can create that opportunity. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's a good, um, good point where 
oftentimes folks, when they're looking for jobs, will always focus on the, the big players, right? They'll, if they're going in finance, they want the big banks and, and, and the, the big telecoms and the big whatever. But there's, there's so many smaller businesses uh, around uh, that, that would benefit from your help. And oftentimes, uh, they don't have kind of the huge uh, person power or resources to do something. So the fact that you can bring some experience from a different area and, and um, may, maybe play multiple hats as well could be a, a different uh, w- way of uh, putting things. Uh, I was trying to think of an example of someone uh, that, that kind of went through that. I don't really have one <laughs> right now, because, but uh, if, if I think of one, I'll, I'll put through. But, but I know that uh, if you do widen your search from, from an industry perspective and look for uh, more than kind of the usual suspects, then you'll probably ha- have a lot more hits. And especially in, in a place like Canada, where Canada has, I think the stat was like 90% of them are all like smaller, medium businesses type of thing. Um, so, so if you're not looking at them, then uh, there's a whole uh, set, set of opportunities that you're, you're, you're missing, right? So just something to, to be aware of. So that's oh. a good point. Can I give you another example on this? Okay. So I actually have two people that I know Hmm. um, who in their later years, like near retirement age, they both um, decided to take wine sommelier courses. Okay. And both of them are doing the same kind of business, but they both target different industries. So this is just their passion project. So they decided, you know, they're near retirement. Let's do wine sommelier work. So one of them, she was really brilliant about it. She did this wine sommelier course, um, which was her second like career, right? And much later in life. And she decided to create events around that. So what she did was she reached out to um, women's business organizations or other women's associations. And she said, you know what? Let me bring the wine for your event. Let me show you how to drink it. Let me do a little tutorial. And, um, you know, the wine will be at cost because I'm getting, I have all these relationships with these different vineyards. And, um, it was so brilliant. And it's worked out really beautifully that this is now her full time career, which was just like a passion project in the past, right? But she was and now everybody uses her like all these um, business associations that I know I keep on seeing her at these events. So I mean, and I know another man who did the same thing. Hmm. His, his technique is a little bit different, but he did the exact same thing. So, you know, there's lots of opportunity, where can you make that where can you find your niche and where can you see that there's a need? Like all business associations and events usually have some kind of alcohol. If you can arrange it so you can provide the alcohol, you're making money on teaching them as well as on the alcohol, right? So. Yeah, I think that's another good point where it's it's uh, looking to kind of compound that effect, right? Where uh, it could be supplying, it could be teaching, it could be providing that experience, I think is, is becoming more and more relevant because it's not just, oh, you get it at a cheaper price or, 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 or do that. Like at, at, if you do that, then it's basically a, a race to the bottom, right? Yeah. But, but if you can provide that extra value and say, okay, what is it unique about you, either through your past experience or, or whatever it is that, that uh, makes me want to hire you, uh, th- then expanding kind of your understanding of the industry or understanding the players or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, the other, the other part I took away from that is uh, you can start a second career, right? <laughs> Even if you're later in life and, and it can be more of a, a passion project, especially if you're probably more financially stable and stuff like that, then, then why not? Because uh, most people wouldn't think about turning a kind of a wine sommelier as, as a, a second career, but it, it's never too late, sounds like. So cool. what are some other suggestions that you give for folks who are creative ways to, to find uh, work? 
So this one is a really um, a simple suggestion for any students. So students, like they're, you're on the cutting edge of information. You're learning all these new topics and LinkedIn is such an easy platform. So what I would say is start becoming an expert mm -hmm. in your industry early. Don't do that like later. Don't wait till you graduate. Start writing like a simple article every week on LinkedIn. And the thing about articles and attention spans now, as you know, Luki, like people's attention spans are shorter and shorter and shorter. Yep. So the beauty about LinkedIn is all you have to do is find a current topic that's related to your industry and give your input about it for like in 500 words and just do that on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. the, and then later on, I mean, as you start successfully developing some kind of following for your articles, um, you know, you can start tagging people that are in the industry, put those in group discussions on LinkedIn. But this is the thing, when you've established yourself as an expert like this, you are going to generate some kind of traction. But also when it comes to uh, actually applying for jobs, you're going to, when people do a background search on you, they're going to come up with all your opinions about this. So th this is just another way to kind of develop that expertise. Yeah, I think that's a great example and a, a great pointer um, in the sense where some folks that, that I kind of give similar recommendations to, they, they uh, kind of push back on the fact that, well, I'm not an expert. I, I don't know anything about this. I'm just a student. I'm just getting in. It's like, well, but you have a perspective you have some thoughts, you can learn and you can grow. So what uh, an easy way to do this is to share what I learned today in blah, like whatever it is that you're doing, right? And, and, and you can share a new technology, a new product, a new this and that, a new upcoming trend, new, all that, and just share whatever your 500 words on that, right? Yep. And then you do that consistently daily, consistently week after week, that sort of thing. And then you start popping up on people's feeds because they follow the same hashtags. And uh, when, when people like or, or comment, then it may not be a lot at first, but it might be one or two or whatever. Well, engage in conversation with those people because chances are uh, at some point they will be hiring or they'll know someone they'll be hiring. So uh, and, and if you keep uh, coming up on their feed and, and are seen as a quote unquote expert, even though you not aren't, aren't truly uh, an expert, you don't have to have a Ph.D. or anything. You can just be someone who is kind of a thought leader, someone who is putting these yeah. ideas in front of other people. So, so you don't have to uh, focus on that word expert, um, focus on kind of uh, thought leadership is, is one way of putting it or just um a distributor of interesting information. You could call yourself that. Yeah. And, and, and by doing that, uh, you can often become a top of mind for someone who's looking to hire. And it's like, well, if I was looking for someone in with, with, uh, related to jewelry, well, Anita's going to be top on the list, that sort of thing, right? And if you had a friend who always talks about wine, maybe that sommelier would be there for uh, career coaching. Hopefully it's me, <laughs> but if it's not, th th those are the ways where, where you can get to top of mind. And, and definitely uh, that doesn't have to be... It, because you own your own business, it could also be uh, when you're trying to get into that industry. Because the thing is, when you start developing your reputation, then it carries forward, forward right? Yeah. So it, it might not help you now, it might help you in two years and in 12 years and in 27 years, but that uh, kind of keeps with you for, for a long time. So yeah, definitely a worthwhile um, suggestion and, and a good investment in yourself as well. Yeah. And I think that with that suggestion, consistency is key. 
right? right? It really is about being consistent, doing it regularly. Um, you, like you said, the first time you're not going to get, maybe you'll get two or three views, sure. but you know what, over time, that's going to exponentially grow. It, it just yep. has to, there's no other way to do that. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And, and you might be lucky and get that kind of viral post where like thousands and tens of thousands get it. But I mean, if you get from one to two and then two to three and then three to five and then so on and so forth, then, then that's yeah. uh, what, what you want to do as well. So yeah, consistently have that growth. Absolutely. Sure. Um, the fifth one that I would say is volunteer. Mm. And this one has probably been the best way that I've gotten jobs. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing you might think that, you know what, um, you're volunteering and it's not going to pay off and, you know, you're doing this thing and nobody's watching you. But the reality is this volunteering is such a great option to like further your career. I can't, I can't even like I can't emphasize that enough. Sure. So for example, when I was 23, I went into this organization and I think I talked about this before in a previous session and I joined the board of the organization as the chair of their board. And it was a huge learning curve. I learned so much about how to operate a business. I learned so much about how to work with other people. I learned so much about, um, the, industry that I was volunteering for. And that was for the art sector. Okay. And this is the thing. Um, I managed to achieve a lot of things while I was president of that board over the four years that I was there, but I also ended up making a large community. Sure. Now what ended up happening in, I think fast forward to, so this was in 2003 to 2007, fast forward to 2010, where I was actually interviewed by somebody at the federal government to come and do like a consultant job uh, in the art sector. Now, this is the thing about the art sector is you usually, if you're doing a consultant job like that, you either have to be an artist okay. or you might want to have an MBA that's focused towards working in the arts. And there's actually diplomas that are called business for the arts diplomas as well for colleges. Okay. So I didn't have any of those. But what I did have was this huge, long experience of working in the arts um, as a volunteer. And luckily, unfortunately, I did end up getting this job. And it was a fantastic job. And I worked in that kind of position for the next five years. But that's the thing. It might not lead to immediate results. But the skills that you learn multiply so much when you volunteer. And while I have nothing against like groundwork volunteering, like front frontline volunteering, like for example, I don't know, petting animals at the humane society or okay. reading books to children or building homes for, you know, people. While I have no issues against that, I'll say if you want to get into a higher level position, try to think of leadership volunteer opportunities, mm -hmm. whether that's on a board or whether that's, you know, doing something that's a little bit more related to your field. Right. So I always kind of had tangentially been involved in business things and therefore working on boards has always been really great for me. 
Yeah, I think volunteering, in in my opinion, well, I usually tell people that it's one of the best forms of networking, right? Because, well, not only do they get to meet you, they get to see you in action, right? The type of work that you can do over a period of time. And uh, if you do a great job, if you're always the one showing up early, putting up your hand and volunteering for these new things, coming up with new innovative ideas, hey, that's the type of person I want to work with, right? And yeah. they might have an opportunity that that's similar. Um, and, and talking about uh, volunteering... Pick one, uh, pick a cause that you're interested in, right? So don't just yep. pick a volunteer just for the sake of it. Now, maybe convenience because it's close by. But if you have a cause, if you're if you're interested in the arts, volunteer for the arts. If you have no interest in the arts, then don't volunteer for the arts. Right? Go go pick something where where you're passionate about, and and then that passion will go a long way. And uh, to your point on leadership roles, I think uh, what often happens is that there's not kind of leadership roles right out the get go. So oftentimes you need to be the one on the front lines petting the, the animals or distributing flyers or doing whatever. And then they say, wow, this person is consistently being able to do that. And then you're poised to uh, put up your hand whenever there are volunteers. Hey, I will do that. I will manage that campaign. I will do that. I will take over yeah. uh, th this group of, of volunteers and, and do that. And then I will be promoted president and I will keep on going and all that sort of stuff. So and don't necessarily think that you're going to go, go uh, run straight into those roles. And that's a really good point because I did volunteer as a frontline volunteer for the Canadian Diabetes Association mm -hmm. when I was 17 to 19. And the funny thing was at that time, there was a new development on websites. Okay. okay. So this is a long time ago. And they actually offered me a job to build a website. I think they just looked at me as a young volunteer and they're like, you must know this stuff. Right. So do you want this job? It's a year long contract to like help us build a website and develop content for the website. And I was like, I can't because I'm in school full time studying biology. I don't know anything about computers. <laughs> But then ironically, I ended up working in e-commerce. So that's the thing. So you're right. A frontline uh, volunteer opportunity can lead to like a full-time position. So that is a really, really good point as well. Um, and one point why I say that the, that volunteering is a good form of networking is in addition to just doing whatever you're supposed to be doing, chat with the other people around you. What do they do? What are they interested? What what uh, uh, occupies their time? What's What are their challenges? What could you help with? Because sometimes uh, connecting with those people, they, they see you in one environment, but that doesn't mean you can't necessarily do it in another environment, right? So, so yeah. leverage that opportunity to connect and, and build meaningful connections with other people as well. So yeah. And, and that was the thing with the Diabetes Association. Just downstairs from them, they had this really good bagel store. And so when <laughs> I only went there once a week, but, you know, the people that would I would work with, they're like, you got to go to this bagel store. So I would go and like have lunch with them. Sure. And I think that's what really helped. We built this camaraderie, this relationship, mm -hmm. because I think fundamentally, that's the truth about any job. It's about the relationships that you build, right? Um, whether that's today or whether that's in the future, it's all about about the relationships so sure. yeah it goes yeah. back to that typical expression it's not what you know it's who you know um, and and then I usually further that to say it's not who you know it's who knows you because just because yes, you know them true. that doesn't mean anything it, when when you have the the, the the bagels on a weekly basis then they get to know you yeah. and then they, they want to work with you and they want to hire you so that's definitely important yeah so true so true um, and the last thing that I was going to say is information gather in unconventional ways. Okay. And I wanted to share this uh, example. So this is maybe, um, maybe it's like, you can do this before you apply for a job, but you can also do this like during the job interview process. So I'll give you an example of my cousin. 
And he wanted to work at, um, the largest manufacturer of fries. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I won't mention the name, but I think it's pretty obvious where that, where that is. But, um, anyways, so in order to understand the production and the process of fries, he actually went to 15 grocery stores before his interview. And he just, he looked at where the, the fries were placed in comparison to the competitors fries. And he noticed that a couple of stores, they weren't placed at eye level. So I didn't know all this about uh, food placement, but in order for food to be at eye level, usually companies pay for that. Yeah. And so he was like, he went to all these stores, he made a little chart about where it's placed. And then he realized that this company, though they were a leader in fries, they were not a leader in hash browns. Mm, And so he, he was like, okay, well, why are they not a leader in hash browns? And so he actually made this like whole like chart about it. The other thing that he did was he um, went to a, a fast food restaurant even though he didn't want to like work at a fast food restaurant, he decided to try it out for two weeks because he wanted to understand the life cycle of fries. And he came to a bunch of conclusions. He's like, well, fries are the most frequently upsold item on the menu. So Mm. that's why, you know, McDonald's and places like that ask, well, do you want fries with that? Because it's cheap and it's a good upsell. So he's like, okay, that's number one. Second thing is they're also the most thrown out food as well. So, so all of these things that he did ultimately was a great way to information gather. And it's a little unconventional. And I would say whatever industry it is that you're trying to get into, whether it's like the fries, you know, industry, like he wanted to get into the fast food kind of restaurant industry, or if it's something, you know, like car manufacturing or something, try to find and collect data that is in an unconventional way. Because Mm. when you actually do go for your interview, first of all, you're going to make interesting connections during that process of unconventional data gathering. So first thing, you'll make connections. Second thing is, it's great topics of conversation when you actually do go in for an interview for that industry. Because I mean, imagine he went for an executive level position, but he was able to tell them all the things he did to actually understand their product. And I think that's what makes for a really, you know, unique way of storytelling, especially when it comes to interview time. For sure. And I think what that also does is speaks to kind of the the level of commitment and interest, right? So you're not uh, applying to these types of jobs on a whim and saying, ah, let me just give it a shot, right? You actually are making an investment. Say, you know what, I'm going to go out, spend my weekends, my my afternoons and and this spare time that I would otherwise have and and gather this information, take the time and make these interesting connections out there. So oftentimes folks want to know that you um, made an effort, right? So that's why something as even as simple as writing a cover letter it can be helpful because well it takes time right and the half an hour it took you to write a cover letter speaks a little bit now going out of your way and like visiting different grocery stores and restaurants and stuff like that's a whole other level of commitment and, and interest in that where it's like for sure if they're going to do that and they don't even have the job what are they going to do when they start on monday that sort of thing right so those are the types of yeah. things that you want to be doing and, and giving that that type of impression and Um, Yeah, uh, all those things are are great guidance and advice. And um, I want to combine the last two points together. Mm. So the unconventional um, data gathering and the volunteering. So one thing that I always tell my students is, look, 
do you want to go to a conference that is like three thousand dollars? And I have been to conferences where it's been like five days long and it's three thousand dollars. Wow. I know most students cannot afford that. Um, I have to go to these things because that's where I make clients, right? But this is what I tell students: you can always go to these conferences, and it's quite simple. Go to different convention center websites, look at their calendar of events. I mean, we're finally gonna start going to events again, I'm hoping. So uh, that's the only thing. Um, But you know what, look at their calendar of events. And what you need to do is you need to do this like three or four months in advance. Look at what their calendar events is like in, I don't know, right now we're in July, look at their events in September and um, to December and find out the events that are most interesting to you. Mm -hmm. If the price tag is 800 or $3,000, don't worry about it. What you need to do is email these conferences that you want to go to and ask the people there who organize it if you can volunteer, because you're mm-hmm. going to get in free, but this is the best place. And the more expensive the conference, the better for the networking, because right. you're going to be connecting with people who are usually pretty high up in the organization. Right. We're going to be able to pay those kinds of conference bills. Right. So, um, make sure that you do that. Go volunteer for these conferences. And the other thing is the nice thing about those conference websites is you can see who has booths there. You can see who's sponsoring the event. And the nice thing is you can email all those people in advance and say, look, in four months from now, you have a conference in Toronto. I'm here to volunteer at your booth if you want. And you've got another ticket, but you've also got a one-in-one contact. And this is the thing about trade shows. I have probably done 500 trade shows in my lifetime as an exhibitor. And I'll tell you at the last minute, the day before somebody or the other always gets sick. (laughs) So if you're there saying I'm here, I'm your Toronto person, take me to your conference. I will volunteer at your booth. I will do the training, whatever you need. They're probably going to call on you. So. Yeah. I think that that's amazing guidance and and, uh, it kind of, what, what it reminds me of is um, uh, someone had mentioned where they are volunteering. Well, actually, they're organizing events, like as most folks in student clubs and, and, and things like that do. And uh, they made the effort to, when they were shuttling um, kind of a guest speaker from one place to, to another, engage in conversation, polite conversation, all that sort of stuff, but made it a, an experience for them. So it wasn't just uh, follow me and go to room, whatever. They, they engage and they really talk to, to them a lot. And uh, they had such a great experience there that they said, you know what, <laughs> can, can, do you mind emailing me your, your, your resume? Because I'd love to hire you for, for a role in, in whatever. Wow. Like, uh, and and she, so nice. she didn't end up taking it because she had another one, but she said, you know what, I'll, I'll email you after words and then she ended up landing a full-time role because she couldn't even take the, the summer internship and yeah. then she ended up with a full-time role so a lot of these little things that sometimes just putting yourself out there and and asking you'll probably be told no a whole bunch of times but then it only takes that one yes to give you that opportunity yeah. and, and and have an amazing experience so yeah i thought those were uh, some amazing uh, pieces of guidance and and creative ways to to do so and you can always take a look at those pretty standard, like go on the street and put a sandwich board and say, I'm looking for a job and hand out resumes. But <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you didn't really talk about those types of things. But these are ones where uh, you, you can you can still do that. Um, but, but here, uh, they, they sound like a little bit more tried and true ones where uh, the, the, when you do it, you'll actually land something. Whereas the other one is just more like uh, hope and pray. <laughs> and yeah. Someone yeah. Uh, takes pity on you, that sort of thing. So. 
mm-hmm. I think that that's amazing guidance. And and um, I, I guess are there any other last minute pieces of of Swike or or other creative solutions in terms of how, how to to get a job that you'd want to share? I mean. <laughs> No, I think that I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything today. Um, yeah, but you know, think that I, I feel like I've only listed six things. Mm-hmm. I feel like there must be tons of more, and I would love to hear people's stories about that. Like, you know, in the comments, they should definitely share their unconventional ways of finding work because I'm sure there's much more. For sure, I'm sure there's a lot out there. And and one quote uh, comes to mind or speaks to me in terms of all the stuff that we talked about. It's uh, I think it's a, it's a quote by uh, Zig Ziglar where he says, uh, you can have anything you want if you help others get what they want, right? So now your trick is to, in any of the contexts here, like what do other people want and how can you help them get it? And then you can get whatever you want, right? So uh, in, in the example of, of like the, the booth at an ex- exhibition or a trade show or whatever, uh, volunteering and, and uh, information gathering, all those sorts of stuff, it's, it's giving other people what, what they want. And then eventually you get what you want. So uh, thanks so much, Anita, for joining us for this episode. And hopefully we'll have you back for another one. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.